0: Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI Forbes Minute Podcast episode, I explore the recent Forbes video titled, Mayor Tubbs, the most effective act of leadership is listening. Welcome back to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. As part of our Forbes Minute series, today I explore the recent Forbes video, Mayor Tubbs, the most effective act of leadership is listening. At the age of 27, Stockton, California elected Michael Tubbs as the city's youngest ever and first African-American mayor. He says, what was the point of going to Stanford if it wasn't for making my community better? In this video, he talks about the importance of listening for collaboration, creating buy-in, and helping others in the community to work together. I look forward to exploring this video with you, and I'll catch you on the flip side of the first clip.
1: Oftentimes when we think about leadership, it's so much about the person with the microphone or the bullhorn who's talking, but really the most effective act of leadership is listening. My name is Michael Tubbs, I'm 27 years old, and I'm the mayor of Stockton, California. There's this famous proverb that says, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. Um, So I've learned that every time I've been effective is because I spent the time to talk to people, listen to people, get everyone bought in. And every time things haven't gone as well is because I just jumped the gun.
0: I completely agree. That the first and very most important aspect of effective leadership is being willing to listen, to listen to your people, being willing to explore the ideas and lean on the expertise of the members of your team. That brings a lot of benefits. I mean, one, it it helps you expand your own understanding. It helps you learn and grow. Uh, it brings in diverse perspectives, which almost always leads to better decisions and outcomes, but it also helps to generate buy-in, which is so important. So even if you had the best idea from the very beginning before talking to anybody, the act and exercise of going through the listening process, not in name only, but really listening, really going through that process, it helps to create buy-in with your people, and they will be so much more invested in the direction that your team will take because you've gone through that process if you forego that process and you just jump straight forward into a solution uh, into an initiative then chances are your people won't be bought in chances are they won't be really invested chances are they won't be fully committed and even if they go through the motions and they're they're compliant with your wishes and they, they do what you ask them to do, it won't be to the level that it could have been. It won't be as promising and have the type of impact that you were hoping for. So I think this very first element of what he's saying is so crucial. And a lot of times le- new leaders in an organization, they'll they'll give lip service to listening. They'll even say, I'm going on a listening tour Uh, for the first so many days or for so many months of, of when I'm in this new role. But in my experience, very few leaders actually do it, actually listen, actually pay attention to what their people are saying. And because of that, they're setting themselves up for either failure or to not be as effective as they could have otherwise been.
1: Oftentimes the narrative around young black men in particular in Stockton is that they're criminals, they're thugs, they're bad, etc. cetera. Um, so I've spent a lot of time building relationships and, and showing people with, with my work ethic. So I'm not just going to throw the idea out there. I'll make sure it's not, well thought out. I'll make sure it's evidence-based and best practice. And I'll find two or three other people um, to agree before <laughs> before presenting it. And I've found in doing that, been able to be a lot more effective because it's hard when you're young to say, we should do this. Because of course you have ideas, you're young. So I always make sure I find. Other people with a little more experience to also say, no, no, what he's saying is right. It's a good idea.
0: I like how he talks about vetting his ideas with his people first, that he'll get two or three individuals to run his idea by um, prior to rolling it out to the whole team for discussion. Trusted individuals who can really feel empowered to provide actual feedback, who feel safe to tell it how it is. Uh, So so often leaders find themselves in echo chambers and they're surrounded by yes-men and sycophants who simply tell them what they think they want to hear. Whether the leader wants that or not, that's often what ends up happening when we don't create dynamic environments where people know that we really truly want their input and so leaning on two or three trusted individuals and even rotating through your team and allowing different individuals to to uh, be sounding boards for your new ideas can be a great way to establish that kind of a culture and then you can refine your ideas in some cases you might even decide oh that's a dumb idea I'm not going to take that forward in other cases you you get good feedback and you refine your idea It's more polished, and then when you take it to the team for further discussion, you're in a better situation, and you have a greater likelihood of being able to have productive conversation and leading um, towards the type of outcome that you're hoping for, Uh, but going through that that conversation with the team then inevitably will help you further refine your understanding. It'll inevitably help you improve um, your ideas, and then... Chances are that you'll end up with something far better than what you had originally thought about and envisioned in the first place.
1: One of my cousins was murdered in Stockton in 2010 when we had a spike in homicides. Um, So going back home, dealing with the pain and dealing with my own anger, made me really think about what was the point of going to a school like Stanford or working at the White House if it wasn't for doing something to make my community better. I grew up in some of the more rough parts of Stockton. So growing up, the whole measure of success was leaving. So if you stayed and went to school in Stockton, or went to community college in Stockton, or got a job in Stockton, that means something was wrong with you. Like, why are you still here? Um, You failed. And it was only after I came back and saw just the impact I've been able to make with my team to really make lives better for the people in my community. that I realized that success is not just leaving, but oftentimes you can be successful at home. You could leave and then come back and be successful in that way as well.
0: I love how he is focused on utilizing his education to better his community. As leaders, one of the main reasons why we need to listen is because it's not until we listen to the living experts within our teams, within our organizations, within our communities, those who are on the front lines doing the hard work, interacting and interfacing with the customers. It's not until we truly, authentically listen to them that we're really going to have a clear understanding of the true needs and how to fill any gap and to help uh, and and have meaningful impact and benefit our communities, our teams, our organizations. It's a fundamental piece in the process. And leaders too often are, are too quick to just jump on in to offer their own solutions, not realizing that, oftentimes there's unintended consequences that they can't even begin to realize because they haven't taken the time to do a needs analysis, which requires them to talk to key stakeholders. It requires them to listen and listen carefully with real intent. Only then will they be able to have the type of impact that they're hoping to have.
1: I always tell people I'm only involved in public service and public office because I think we can do things differently and better and that there's room for innovation. And there's a lot of room to innovate in government because oftentimes the government's job is so difficult and you're dealing with everyone, that's hard to think creatively because in that comes a risk. But I tell people all the time, the risk for me is a failing status quo. Um, So there's something that we could do that's iteratively better. We have a responsibility um, to do it.
0: A failing status quo. That's the impetus for driving innovation and creating an innovative culture. And it's not just in government, right? That every organization, whether it's a for-profit, nonprofit, government, uh, NGO, whatever, every single organization should be looking to disrupt the status quo, uh, particularly in those areas that aren't efficient or effective or that fit the current context or the the, the current strategic direction. And the only way that you can disrupt the status quo and drive innovation is when you empower your team to speak up, when you empower your people to, to use their voice, to share their input, where they know that you're going to listen and pay attention to them, uh, even if you don't take their idea, the, that you will listen to them, that you will give it space to consider, that is so essential. And the quickest way to turn off innovation, the quickest way to maintain the status quo is top-down, uh, dictatorial uh, types of leadership that isn't really leadership at all. It's, it's not even good management. And, and so I, I really like how he focuses on the connection between listening and innovation.
1: I think we're in a real moral reckoning right now and it's going to take people being very bold about kind of, we don't have to agree on everything, but we should agree on like our values and and, and just the inherent dignity that every human being has. I remember growing up and reading history and saying, man, what would I have done in the 60s or what I would have done in the 1860s? The future is looking at us now and I want to make sure it's very clear where I stood.
0: Treating everyone with dignity and respect. It sounds like such a simple idea Yet it's in this fraught world with with challenging social dynamics and political dynamics, um even in a for-profit workspace, uh, and particularly in government types of jobs, you know the, the, there's uh, a real um challenge in terms of trying to make sure that everyone feels valued, everyone feels heard, that you treat everyone with dignity and respect, even when you disagree with them. Even when you disagree with them, in major ways. And what he's focusing on here is let's try to find some common values. We're going to have differences of opinion in terms of strategy. We'll probably have differences of opinion uh, around policy issues, whether it's, again, government policy or organizational policy. Uh, well meaning, intelligent individuals will disagree on a lot of things. So treat everyone with dignity and respect, have civil dialogue, and collectively. You can work towards a better outcome for everybody as people have a chance to be heard. Nobody is allowed to silence anybody else, and that goes both ways across the political spectrum, across the social the social spectrum, the economic spectrum. That we need to allow people to be heard, uh, and if if someone is voicing opinions or promoting policies, practices, initiatives that violate that very simple principle of treating everyone with dignity and respect, then you know it's not something to pursue.
1: I'm a big Hamilton fan. So it's like we can't throw away our shot. So let's do everything we can these next four to eight years. Understanding we're not gonna get everything done, all the issues and stuff that won't be fixed in four to eight years. We can at least set a path.
0: And we're not going to fix all of the challenges and issues in our organizations or with our teams in the short run. All of this takes a long-term commitment. But as we recognize and have a vision for what we can become and what we can accomplish, then that will give us the courage to put in the effort and the time now to lay the groundwork for future successes and the courage to stand up to people who may be naysayers in the present uh, so that we can have the tenacity and and really just see things through in a more sustainable way. In my opinion, we're too much of a short-term orientation culture in the U.S., And I'm actually quite envious of many other cultures around the world that have a longer-term orientation. I think we would do well here in the U.S. to to adopt a longer-term sustainability orientation towards what we're trying to accomplish. We can do great things, but great things never happen in easy ways or in the immediate time frame. They always take hard work. Uh, Nothing meaningful comes easy. And so as we are committed to treating people with dignity and respect, going through the hard work of having conversations and dialogue and truly listening to those around us, then we're in a situation to build the relationships, to build the trust, to create and generate the buy-in that will drive innovation, that will drive motivation, empower our people to do their best work. And that's when greatness can and will happen. I appreciate you joining me for this Forbes Minute episode as we talked about this video together. I hope, as always, that you find meaning and purpose at work each and every day, that you can stay healthy and safe, and that you have a great week.